Um, I'm Collins Onubu um, from Lagos. Um, I'm a founder of Signal Alliance. I'm a director of the Lagos NGO Network. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Collins. Thanks. We had a good laugh just before we jumped onto the mic. Your surname, please give us a direct translation of what your surname means. Uh, my surname is Onubu. Onubu in English means uh, my mouth can never kill me. <laughs> <laughs> is that Igbo? Yeah, it's Igbo. Uh, it means uh, my, my surname actually gives me the latitude to say what I want to say, when I want to say it, um, without feeling threatened in any way. It is, it is exactly things I've heard you say that have landed you right here on our show. I'm glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I hope I didn't say something that was too off. You know? No, it was, it was really stimulating stuff. But um, let's start with the big deal that is Nigeria, man. Um, so there's two things. It's either, in my view, right, totally underestimated, right, or overhyped. And I feel like there's a, there's a middle ground where there has to be some sound reasoning, some sound business thinking, some, some actionable insight that needs to be put out into the world to help us frame the, the, the opportunity of Africa's most populous nation and, and Lagos, easily one of Africa's largest cities. So how do you think about your own country in the context? I mean, we'll talk about the work you do in uh, overseeing the efforts of an angel network and syndicating the efforts of others within Nigeria. But in your own mind, how do you frame the business opportunity that is Nigeria? Nigeria has always underperformed as an African leader. Look, uh, one in four Africans or one in five Africans are Nigerians. So we are the biggest in, uh, country in Nigeria. But it was only recently that the economy of Nigeria became the biggest in Africa. So even though it's still the biggest in Africa, per, per capita income is still very small. So Nigeria is a poor country, an underperforming country. But uh, I also think that a few positive things are beginning to happen that for the first time we are beginning to see uh, the Nigerian economy take off controlled by a, maybe a different generation who are more proud of uh, our status as Nigerians and the fact that we need to show leadership in Africa. It's always been a worry for us that the narrative of Nigeria and Africa has been mostly negative. A lot of times you, you went across Africa before, the story about Nigeria was about the wrong things. But I, I think the new generation is coming out of Africa that is creating, uh, Nigeria that is creating a big, slightly different narrative. So if you go to a lot of countries in, say, East Africa and Southern Africa today, the narrative about Nigeria is changing and it's been driven by our music, our movies, and then our, our startups. And so, again, I feel like there's an unhealthy distinction between, you know, tech or tech-enabled, you know, startups or businesses and businesses in general. Nigeria is a very entrepreneurial country. Um, do you think that thinking in investment terms is problematic, and if so, why? Look, we're, we're an entrepreneurial country. Um, I think it's driven by two things. One, that some parts of Nigeria are naturally entrepreneurial. The second one is that this is a big country with very few opportunities because of the, the, the nature of our economy. Uh, because of that, a lot of people are driven to entrepreneurship. It's a survival game. And, it, and when a lot of people are trying to survive, more people are more likely to succeed. So a lot of people who go into entrepreneurship in Nigeria, some are natural entrepreneurs, some are forced by circumstances. And being the size of the economy we have, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a surprise that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs are coming out of the system. Is it good for us? I think it's good for us. Um, most... Most of what has failed in Nigeria today has been policy making and governance, quality of leadership at the top. And if there's any part of the economy that allows you to 
to succeed without a lot of regulations, without the right, you find entrepreneurs going there and make a mark out of it. In fact, sometimes it's better for us that there's less regulation to allow us to do what we want to do before government comes and regulates it and then starts thinking they're competing with you. So if you look at the startup ecosystem today, um, we're at the point where there's little regulation. There's a downside to that in terms of protecting your investment if you're an investor. But mostly that people can go out there and do what they want to do without too much restriction from government who are not doing it because they want to protect the environment but because they're trying to just be a, a roadblock to those who want to achieve their best. And so is the doctrine of angel investment and perhaps venture capital that you you promote as the, is the Lagos Business Angels Network? Yeah. So yeah, so as the Lagos Business Angels Network, that doctrine is it is it different to perhaps the doctrine an informal angel or angel syndicate within this entrepreneurial environment would sell. Is it different in some way? Uh, because is it is it is it somehow does it have a, a bent or focus on tech? So give me the sell. What's the sell to a potential angel investor within your 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 context? Uh, first of all, I, I want to differentiate an angel investor and a business angel investor. There, there's a slight difference. A business angel investor is somebody who has who has who has put himself through some rigorous learning actually to understand how to do formal investing but at angel level. Okay, because look, I've been an angel investor for more than 20 years, but it was only recently that I became a business angel investor. They're totally different. So if you look at us in land today, we're trying to teach our people, we're trying to educate ourselves to understand how to do timesheet, how to value companies, how to do due diligence. Those small stuff that happen at the private equity and venture capital level, we're trying to bring it down so that people who come in there learn enough to make informed judgment about investing and also to understand that this is high risk, that you're going to lose money or you might lose money. But overall, if you have a strategy that is also a success model for, 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 for building wealth, I think that is important for us to understand. So in Lagos Engine Network today, we run master classes for ourselves. We do training for ourselves. A lot of us go around evangelizing and teaching people and creating awareness that this is something people can do as a different asset class. And it's a successful model of, of asset building, but it has a very high risk. So um, I, I, I think most of our work at this point is to keep evangelizing. We are one of the founders of the African Business Engine Network that is also going across Africa, doing the same thing, evangelizing Africa. Africa. So most times we are speaking today in other parts of Africa. We are all helping to evangelize and, and, and deepen the ecosystem. And so what did angel investing look like before you took on the more formal business angel investing? The first time I became an angel, I funded a classmate in the university. You know, once we were came out of university, um, and there was no protection for me. Down the line, I was a director in the company. He removed my name as a director. I didn't know anything. I didn't have no legal protection, and I just let it go because it was too much stress. Uh, uh, in, in the part of Nigeria I come from, most people fund their nephews. Most people, are, uh, most uncles, fund their nephews and their nieces and their brothers and their sisters. And give them, uh, we call it family and friends, but it's also kind of angel investing. But most of them, they do without any kind of, well, if their return comes, okay, it's mostly sentimental. So all of us end up providing some bit of angel money at, at a point in our life. But business angel investing is slightly different. Okay, uh, it, it, it kind of puts a former, uh, a former uh, structure around it. 
And why it's important, why it's important at the startup level for companies is that when you give uh, a company money, it's not just dashing the person money to go and do what he likes. It's about giving him money, giving him mentoring, and giving him access to your network. Because most people who are mature angel investors are people who have run companies, who have been in senior positions, who have a bigger network than the startup. So if you carry that access and give the startup, it is actually more valuable than the money. So companies we invest into there as, as Lagos engineers will offer them expertise because most of our members are people who have expertise in different ways. If you want financial expertise, they'll give to you. If you want operational experience, they'll give to you. If you run into a problem, they can mentor you out of it. And then, of course, the money helps a lot. And secondly, they give you access to raising more money in the future because, look, most of us in the Lagos engineers work today, we have people who are in private equity, we have people who are in venture capital, we have people who are in, sit on their, on, in their day jobs. And what happens is that when we validate at the Lagos engine or at the angel level, remember that you're going to raise money again. So you probably have seen those who help you raise money in the future when you, you come to the engine networks. So it's, it's a kind of ecosystem that helps out, uh, helps out the, the startup who comes to us. And you know, my next question, before you started to explain some of what you said, was I was going to ask about the extent of your syndication activities. Where are you at with that? Because I feel, yeah, I mean, it's one thing when, you know, one person comes to this uh, epiphany that you know angel investment has to be done right business angel investment has to be done right it's quite another to to sort of harness the benefits of of partnering with other like-minded individuals and asserting yourself as you described so how much progress are you making in that regard uh, and w- what does it look like what are the deal sizes put me into one of your meetings and the discussions that go around deciding to to invest as a group one of the advantages of investing as a group is that you know most angels invest from their pocket and you don't have a lot of money in your pocket, but when you put money together, it becomes something that is good, for, uh, big enough for, for for a startup. So we invest. Investing in a group has a lot of things. One, you put more money. Second, is that you put more ideas because look, when somebody sees something, it's different from when a lot of people see it. Sometimes it makes us seem slow because I can see a company today because of my tech background. I say, look, this company because it's a tech company, and somebody who has a finance background says. Look, you can see all the tech you see, but when I look at the number, the numbers are wrong. And it kind of helps us balance our expectations from everybody. And then when you invest, okay, the syndicate also has a lot of resources to help people. So in most investments we've done today, there's a lead. There's a lead investor. The lead investor is most likely somebody who understands that business. And so the person leads the rest of us and becomes the person who sits into the company. If there's a board seat, the person gets a board seat and is helping the people every time. As of today, we have one of the companies we invested in that is in trouble. Okay? And luckily for us, the lead investor who is on the board has helped through the process of making sure the company doesn't die, to restructuring, the, helping them restructure the company, bringing new people into the room, and it's helping them raise more money. That kind of effort in making sure the company doesn't die. Sometimes there's emotion tied to it. There's, sometimes there's a sense of mission tied to it. It's not just about the fact that you give them money. It's about the fact that this is, if they succeed, you succeed. And your story succeeds. Right. Yo, that's fascinating. Let's talk about to, to how, to my mind, not all money is equal. And you, you were on a panel earlier and you, you, you made a flaming statement about indigenous money and, and its importance. So give me a sense of why you believe it's super important that we start to encourage, bring through indigenous investment flows into our emerging tech and innovation scene. Uh, to answer that, I have to go back a bit and look at what AIDS has done to Africa. Okay, Africa, I'm not sure AIDS has succeeded in Africa. So a lot of countries come in and give AIDS to African economies. And if you measure it over time, 
I, I, I doubt if he has succeeded as much as he was because the structure was wrong and the way it was dispensed was also wrong. I worry that AIDS is moving into what is called impact investing. It's the new flavor of AIDS is called what is called impact investing. So uh, a Westerner, a Western company that has a little of conscience puts some money into an impact fund and they come to Africa, they lie the weather in Kenya, they come to the startups and they give them some money and it's given almost like a new form of AIDS. So you throw the money and then nothing else. I worry that if that kind of money is with the money that comes into Africa, uh, it will be another AIDS story. And so what we're trying to make sure is that the people that get money early get it because you need to support them, get access to the market, you need to help them build the market, you need to help them as much as possible. That is more useful than throwing money and then, uh, and then being happy that your conscience has, uh, yeah, will salvage your conscience. I mean, money is money. Money is good for, for them. But we don't want to have indigenous African businesses building to receive impact money. I blame M-Pesa, which some argue is the biggest or perhaps most successful foreign aid project of recent times. And I suppose one could look at that and say, how could you fault that? But, but certainly, again, if you consider the fundamentals of what made that work, i.e. foreign aid channeled through a massive, well-heeled mobile telco uh, versus sort of throwing money at what looks good or a founder who sounds good at conferences and that kind of thing. Um, are you guys trying to avoid in Nigeria what some say went down or has gone down or is going down in places like Nairobi? Look, uh, in Nigeria, there's a company in Nigeria called InterSwitch. I, I, I don't know. Mpesa has been very successful. Okay. And again, I'm, this is in, in, in successful in, uh, in relative terms. In, in relative terms. But I believe that in Nigeria, the model we are taking, we build on a long term more successful companies. So, because Mpesa has become dominant, but in Nigeria, they have the pay tax of this world. You have the InterSwitch, which is a billion dollar company. You have a few other ones who are growing. Um, I, 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 I don't want to to deride the what the, the impact Mpesa has had. It's actually has been a very successful story. But I also don't want, I would not like an African, uh, the African ecosystem to be dominated by the fact that um, uh, foreign money or aid money went in and built a system and it becomes the dominant system. Uh, I, I don't know how it helps entrepreneurship. I would like an indigenous entrepreneurship to be built around an indigenous idea that the, there is an indigenous idea, it's indigenous funding initially, and then when it scales, everybody in the world can come and fund it. But a lot of times, you you whether you like it or not, your business model is influenced by those who fund you early. So, if Africa, if we move out from even impact and go to free funding, it comes from, say, Silicon Valley. What happens is that we start building Silicon Valley systems, Silicon Valley valuations in Africa. And I've seen that happen in Nigeria. If you come to that have gone to Silicon Valley to raise money, somebody in the Silicon Valley gives them $120,000. $120,000 seems very big in Africa, but in Silicon Valley, it's, it's money you, you throw away and you don't think about it. So when they now start building those companies and model it around American companies in an African context, I think it's a bit of a worry. And then when they need access to the African markets and they need people, local Africans, the companies are priced out of the, the, the local NGOs or local city investors, and they have to go back to America to keep raising money and register in America. I don't think that is very good for Africa. Wow. I think that's as good a place as any to put it down. Thank you so much. You did not disappoint, sir. Your, your, your name says it all. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've tried not to be in trouble because of my son, but 
It's my name. It's my name. It's not gonna kill you. It's not gonna kill me. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs>